I'm Dr. Gene Hemsler, and you're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. For more than 25 years, my associates and I have been providing straightforward, no-nonsense advice for your financial questions. Email us at drgene at hemsler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, July 25th, 2020. The only thing we have to fear. The economic health of this nation has been. Four essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline. Greed in the dollar. It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. It's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Monitor. Monitor. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio, Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Casey Smith, who, uh, Casey, you're a CEPA, I know, and a CFP, right? You, That's it. You are a certificate. A, a certificant. Certificate. Not a certificate. It's a certificant. Well, I don't know why they that's a, that's term quite it like that. Negative. But, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, um, I have to get so with the marketing the negative thing I've ever heard. You <laughs> say. I mean, you're usually a really positive guy. What uh, can I say? The pandemic has got me uh, just a little on the pessimistic side, I guess. There you go. We also have none other than Jim Crone. He's our uh, certified fund specialist. specialist. I get specialized. He's in also fund. a clue. Yep, yep. Man with a clue. I put and, those uh, two together. Yeah, so you're going to have to explain to us what all that means. You know, if I had a clue, then maybe. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, the, you do. I, I do. Actually, I went and, and took a lot of classes and took a lot of tests and ended up with a clue. That means a CLU, a Certified Life Underwriter. Okay. Yep. Certified Life Underwriter. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, um, that was a certificate. Can I'll go with a can. You go with a can. Yeah. All right. Yep. All right. And then the other one is the certified fund specialist. Yeah. I Not to be confused with the fund specialist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'll go there too. Yeah. I can play that card. <laughs> yeah. right. Well, I figured the guys that come out and uh, put all the inflatables in somebody's yard, they're <laughs> definitely certified fund specialists. With right? our kids that we've had for the, over the many years, I, I can put myself in that category. I know how those work. If you oh, ask my parents, that's what I went to college for. So, <laughs> put up inflatables. <laughs> yeah, Jim was a carny in his prior life. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Uh, actually, Jim does uh, great work with us at Hensler Financial, uh, in and around people's insurance, mm-hmm. and uh, all of the designations that he has are directed toward that. Casey go. is a certified financial planner, certificant. Can't say it wrong. Uh, you get smacked. You I do. always look for the invisible hand to come up beside behind me and slap <laughs> me in the back of the head. That's right. That's, not, that's, the, that's my brother, Adam. Adam Smith. Controls not that. Casey Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He wrote a lot about the invisible <laughs> hand. Yeah, and it's been a long time ago. So uh, uh, Casey's also a uh, certified exit planning advisor, which uh, you talk Good bit with uh, business owners about uh, their their plans for an exit strategy in their business, and uh, that's a pretty popular thing these days. It is. It's a big big topic of discussion. Um, 
probably not quite as much now as it was toward the end of last year when valuations were a bit higher. Now with all the uncertainty, a little harder to sell a business than than it was uh, you know a few months there ago. There might be more people looking for the exit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> not too many people on the front end. Uh, uh, hard to hard to match them up on the buy side, but yeah. you know. It's a it's an interesting area and certainly one that's gained a lot of steam over the past few years with the baby boomers, a lot of the baby boomers contemplating retirement or their exit plan. So we're here to help with that as, as much as we can. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you know, I I think it's uh, it's a little bit short sighted to assume that you can't sell your business. I, the the one thing that I will say in that private market, the closely held uh, valuations uh, are. They they often take most of their cues from public companies, yeah. and I can tell you for a fact that uh, public businesses are selling at some significant high yeah. uh, price to earnings. Pretty ratios. steep valuations out there right now. Uh, yeah, so you know don't don't be so discouraged that uh, that you know you you cannot absolutely sell your business. Uh, helps to have good. Uh, operations and right now a lot of businesses are struggling a bit with their their uh, operations but uh, don't assume anything you never know what you got going on that's right all right well uh, as we do quite frequently on uh, money talks we want to check out the S&P 500 and uh, I did say that the market would be up next week this time last week and yeah. guess what You'd be right. You're right. Was right. Look at that. You're right so, at what, about two-thirds of the time? Is at it? least, yeah. It's point five pretty good nine ratio. Percent gain. Uh, utilities. It's strange that we would have an up market in utilities lead, but that is exactly what we got going on. Gained almost 3% in utilities over the last week. Uh, Health care is up 1.88. Materials up 1.53. The only negative we have is the sector communication services. And look at information technology down there is uh, just pretty much <laughs> flat on the week. Yeah, 0.01. It's actually very interesting if you look at the, the last month. Uh, we've kind of seen a reversal of fortunes, if you will, in, in the market with the information technology near the bottom in the, the yeah. bottom three of S&P sectors. Yeah, uh, underperforming the S&P overall. Materials leading the way with nine, almost 9.5%. Utilities and healthcare consumer staples are, are all kind of the leaders on the last month and yeah. and we haven't seen that as much um you know year to date the, the information technology is is way ahead of pretty much everything except for consumer <laughs> yeah. discretionary uh information this this time year to date uh the S&P 500 is up 1.17%, information technology up 16.8% and consumer discretionary up 14.18 but think about what stock is in that sector yeah Amazon. Amazon, which is up 60% year-to-date, yeah, which is and um, makes up a huge portion of the market according to market cap. So, um, yeah, we got uh, that's pretty significant. On the the other end, on the year-to-date measure, um, energy has lost 35, almost 36%, 35.9% year-to-date. Financials down almost 20, 19.89, yeah. And industrials down 10%. You look over the past year, this seems strange. S&P 500 is up 9.67%. What's the average annualized return on the S&P 500 going way back, Casey? About 10%, 11%, yeah. somewhere in there. 10 and a half. Yeah, it's just an average year. Yeah. If you look at this number, <laughs> that's right. 9.67%. Not, nothing's going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just chugging along, yeah, average. Right. 
it's nothing open, to see here. Folks. Open your door, all you're gonna hear is crickets. Yeah, nothing going <laughs> if on. You uh, were to just look at that in in a bubble or in a what's a, a vacuum. Yeah, yeah there you go. A hundred years from now, they're gonna look back. What's the big deal? Yeah. It was yeah. the average. Right. Well, if you look at the sectors, then you look at information technology up thirty-one and a half percent, energy down thirty-six point two three. So there's a significant disparity in the. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the more granular numbers, uh, real estate, industrials, financials, and energy all negative on the 12-month uh, scale. And uh, as we said, information technology up 31.5, um, health care up 18.4, and consumer discretionary 16%. There's significant divergence in the sector. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of reason for that, obviously, the pandemic um, has has caused a lot of us to be working remotely and um you know having to do all your shopping online and you know that was prevalent before but it's become almost required now uh during this time so it makes a lot of sense why you would see information technology and even some of the consumer discretionary with amazon being in there that are are kind of leading the way yeah no doubt um we've got a few economic uh releases that we had this week that are pretty interesting um the uh, consumer credit market expanded in June. It increased $23 billion, a second straight month of increases. Uh, total balance of consumer credit is now $13.77 trillion. Looks like my wife got the credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Things still happen. Yikes. Uh so, uh, you know, what what we saw early on was a lot of folks paying down their credit cards. Yeah. Uh, and now it looks like we had a reversion. Well, consumer spending was up, wasn't it? Uh, it it's was. actually well, when you get six hundred dollars extra, yeah, uh, per month, that, that you helps. Gotta, you got to make a decision. So maybe you use half of it to pay down your credit cards, yeah, and you use the other half just to spend like a fool. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it certainly has has helped the market. I mean, some of the the stimulus that was put out there earlier this year and money in people's pockets and if they're spending it then that translates to uh some better than expected earnings yeah yeah no doubt uh we also see uh mortgage applications rose 4.1 percent in the week and this is a weekly thing so uh um looks like the average fixed mortgage rate increased one basis point so it's more or less flat it's 3.2 percent which is i mean dirt cheap who thought you'd ever be able to do this again um, applications to refinance a home advanced 5.3%, and uh, the home buyer mortgage applications were up 1.8. So up on both counts, uh, a little more refis than we had in purchases. All right, well, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, I will have you a dog of the week. It's uh, a little bit different. Stick around. We're talking about money and your finances. A dog of the week. interesting story that um, comes out of South Korea. Uh, it seems like American company, Kellogg's, the 
Korean division uh, a few years ago put a um, gave gave the Korean folks a choice over two different flavors of Chex. You guys know Chex mix, mm-hmm. very popular in trail mix. Uh, they gave them a choice between um, something they called Chex Choco Empire, chocolate flavored Checky was the name, and I'm using air quotes. Work great on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they have another flavor called Chaka, and I'm not going to let you know because at the end of this, I want you to guess. Um, the PR stunt was meant to be just a shoe in for Checky, the chocolate flavored Chex mix. Yeah. And uh, there were people that got on their voting and voted multiple times. Well, Kellogg's sifted through all the votes and decided that some people had voted so many times for one relative to the other, it had to be a mistake. So they went ahead and rolled out what they had intended to do all along, the new chocolate-flavored Chex Mix. Well, over the last 16 years, the folks in Korea have not let them forget this. Oh, boy. Uh, So recently... Democracy won out, and they provided the Chex Mix that was the losing, if you will, uh, actual winner in this uh, in this thing. So I'll just tell you that uh, the Korean people actually like savory foods for breakfast, um, and uh, that's the only clue I'm giving you. Is there anybody hmm. who wants to step up and guess what the flavor of the Chex Mix was. Mm. Jim? Come you on, know, Jim. Sriracha. Yeah, I, I was going to go there. Sriracha, huh? I mean, the only other, I mean, my flavor of Chex is corn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the one I can right. put the connection That's just to. normal Chex. I was just going to say, man, why didn't they put that chocolate option here? I'll vote for that one. Oh, yeah. No, I'd yeah. Be <laughs> Absolutely. Over yeah. the corn, I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Chocolate so, always wins. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, care who you are. Not in South Korea. Yeah. Actually, green onion. Oh, one. wow. And I can they, see that. They offered it to the market recently, <laughs> okay. and it sold out, totally cleaned the shelves in two days. Oh, wow. Where can I get my hands on some of this green <laughs> onion checks? <laughs> got to go to South Korea. <laughs> well, the thing is, after they said they were going to do it, they decided that they had been working long enough. They really have been working 15 years to try to get this uh, flavor exactly right. Hmm. And uh, they, they wanted uh, 50 early tasters. Uh, when they put that out, they got 14,200 applications for the 50 jobs that were Whoa. available as the testers. And uh, they they talked to one young girl who, well, I say young, I'm old, I guess, but she's 24. <laughs> so she's been waiting on this for a long time what, since she <laughs> she's was She's very six. focused. Yeah. 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 Uh, she, it's uh, over half her life. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Three-fourths. <laughs> um, anyway, so she... Uh, was one of the early tasters, and she said her only comment, uh, the green onion flavor is too mild. Oh. She wanted more onion. Now, I've got to tell you guys, I've, you know, I've been not really holed up too bad, but haven't (laughs) been around too many people in this pandemic, but I don't know if I could stand some green onion Chex Mix. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's, that's a good way to social on. distance. I say, well, I mean, you can't social distance yourself. Put a mask on. You, you're I, really yeah. 
That's I mean, true. You're going to yeah. be you're, smelling that. You can yeah. work the uh, breakfast and then put the mask on. That's so do you do you put milk on it? You eat it with milk like normal <laughs> yeah, cereal? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could see it in, a, in a, like a trail mix. There were some, some people that were could, saying it sounded like a great, like a you know, a bar yeah. kind of snack for like not for breakfast, but, but I right. think middle of the I day. Think, no, they they like savory foods and spicy foods for breakfast. Well. All right. You throw a little sriracha on top of the green onion. Hey, now you're really now cooking. You're yeah. <laughs> the only thing I could say is, uh, really, why are you going to put a mask on after that? <laughs> I mean, I, anybody who's worn a mask Knock very much lately. <laughs> literally. Yeah. I was going to say, there's some benefits if, to wearing a mask. Number one is you always know if you got bad breath. <laughs> yeah. You, you remember to brush your teeth. Number two is nobody can tell whether you're smiling or not. I mean, That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. You can... Just mouth whatever you'd like. There's, there's all kinds of <laughs> things you can do. Um, and mm. the problem is, if you are smiling and you want to put that across, you don't get that either. That's true. So, you know, every positive has its own offsetting negative, I think. All right. Well, that just seemed like a strange situation to me. But, uh, you know, the, the bigger problem is Kellogg's Korea, uh, you know, tri- they, they made, they did relent, but they had made several jokes over the years. And they said every time... Something came up about the the green onion uh, checks, uh, or or another flavor was introduced. Everybody was like, "Wait a minute, where's the green onion?" <laughs> this thing was so popular. I don't know if you guys saw a few weeks ago that North Korea blew up a building that was used kind of to for them to gather with South Korea and and talk about uh, uh, you know relations. I guess is is best to say it. I know that that hit news in the United States. They said that when this green onion uh, checks was released, it was the same day, totally pushed the headline <laughs> of North Korea blowing that building <laughs> off the map. It, this was the dominant that, that story. That drove the issue, drove yeah. the, the topic of the day. Absolutely. It was the that? dominant story. So that is there crazy. you go. I didn't realize just how much South Koreans like some green onions, but there you go. <laughs> That's good to know. All right, uh, we have a situation we want to talk about today, and uh, Jim, I think this is one that uh, that you can probably help us a whole lot on. Yeah. Um, you know what would be awesome is if I had my notes in front of me so that I could actually talk to you about it. Here we go. Um, so we got a, a couple in their mid-50s, Greg and Fiona. Um, you know, they're it's a married couple. Uh, they're at a point where they want to convert their life insurance to long-term care insurance. And I know we've talked about long-term care before. Mm. Uh, maybe you can step us through some of what that is. But uh, in their planning and purchasing uh, insurance coverage during the pandemic, it's it's thrown them for a loop. They're confused as to what is the trend with long-term care. Because I know we got a lot of folks yeah. retiring right now. So, you yeah. know, getting, getting to an age where they're thinking more about uh, long-term care. But they don't know the changes. Are they the impact of the longer-term trend, or is this pandemic-related? And and I know, Jim, you've got lots of uh, information you can share on some of the changes that you're seeing in in insurers, especially those related to long-term care. Um, Yeah. Part of what I think will kick the conversation off is just uh, I actually came across an article that was based on a study that was released in May. The statistics actually were gathered in January, so they were the statistics were looking at the trends of the last ten years pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, but um, 
and they're reflecting specific to areas of insurance such as like life insurance, disability, long-term care, even some annuities. Um, and what was fascinating to me about all that was uh, of the last 10 years, the trends reflect that uh, life insurance purchasing has actually declined 10%. Disability insurance declined 15%. Uh, they reflect some deeper uh, analysis on why and how that occurs or why that's occurred in their estimation. But the one area that was um, unanimously up, and it was up uh, by about 20%, was long-term care insurance. Um, we see that in the, in the daily interactions that we have with clients because we're seeing younger ages become a lot more aware of the issues that surround long-term care insurance. Well, it's best if you buy when you're younger, right? You can certainly get lower rates, and that's the key of purchasing for uh, with lower rates. I mean, yeah, you can you can certainly do that. One of the bigger drivers for why they think that the increase has occurred within this last 10 years are uh, tax law changes that have now allowed for um, um, we'll call it asset-based, uh, annuities specifically, asset-based long-term care. So it's an annuity hybrid that adds long-term care. The reference in this particular case has to do with um, a life insurance transition. And the, we can dig into this particular case study a little more uh, at the next segment. But as it as it starts, the things that are grabbing a lot more attention these days are the hybrid products. Uh, probably less so in the traditional long-term care market. We'll, we'll distinguish those two things. So what is a hybrid product? Can hybrid is, real is really just a blending of a core product with long-term care, and that could be a life insurance contract that adds long-term care ah. or an annuity that adds long-term care. So either one of those characterize or can be characterized as hybrids. Okay. All right. Well, uh, there you have it. That's... Jim, he's uh, loads of fun, and that's the reason that we keep him around. But uh, anyway, we're going to uh, – he is our certified fun specialist. You may not see it because I, I got a big grin on now because I don't have my mask on. But oh, Cool. All right. Well, you're listening to Money Talks. We'll be right back with some more excitement from Jim Crow. Social distancing. Small groups. Reacting to the unexpected. Takes a lot of knowing. Self-quarantine. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Casey Smith and Jim Crone. And Jim has been uh, wowing us with some of his insurance knowledge and uh, talking about trends in the pandemic and even prior to the pandemic things are changing in insurance before we get back into that if you have a question of your own that you would like to ask us uh, we prefer you keep it financial or you know thereabouts uh, KC might answer questions that I would embarrass me but uh, uh, if you have questions that you would like answered you can get in touch with us on our question hotline at one eight five five. 429-9166. The way it works, you call in, you'll get our recording. Uh, you 
record your message at the beep and uh, we will play it on the air and answer right behind it. If you prefer instead to talk to a human being, you can call our office number 770-429-9166. Ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn and they will uh, patch you through to her. She'll take down your question, get it to us and we will uh, answer it on the air. If you don't want to use your phone in that manner at all, you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, and if you just want to answer your own question, we have resources on our website, which again is hensler.com, spelled the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. So, um Lots and lots of information there, uh, but I don't know if any of it's going to be as awesome as what Jim is about oh, to tell here us. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, you got, I mean, yeah. you are our fun specialist, I'll, man with a clue. I'll I play. Mean, I'll try. Yeah. Okay. Give it a well, uh, we, were, we were talking about some studies that you've been reading. Right. Uh, completed in January of this year, so prior to the pandemic and mm -hmm. and grief and its, uh, its own prior years and the changes that were being seen in insurance yeah. and uh, I am a man without a clue when it comes to this <laughs> stuff. So I'm going to shut up now and let you talk. Okay. Well, from that study, uh, what was fascinating about the, the changes in, in purchasing uh, for the last 10 years, as we said, life insurance down, disability down, long-term care up. And it's largely due because of product innovations uh, that have spurred, been spurred on because of some tax change okay. that occurred back in 2010. Um, but what we're actually, the other aspects of the study that I found interesting reflected that uh, the uh, purchase, the actual purchase of insurance is, is uh, uh, was actually face-to-face -face meetings has been decreased 35%. Uh, in terms of a, a purchasing uh, of a product. And this was before. These were before. So yeah. these are, yeah, so you can only imagine it's only accelerated. Oh, and sure. I can only imagine, and I'll tell you in our own experience uh, with products, we have a case that we'll talk about. Uh, yeah, people have just moved directly into this online aspect. So all of our tools allow for that, you know, end to end, you know, the starting of the conversation all the way through to the policy delivery is now electronic and virtual. Okay. And that would even include some underwriting, which is the biggest area that has changed in this pandemic. Um, but we uh, we have a particular case that we're talking about here. Young couple, I say young because why not? They're lower in their mid-50s. And, and, and uh, he's a business owner. Um, she also works. But um, we started our process with uh, a tool that we've created that allows for us to gather all of the details up front. And that's the, the biggest, I think, advantage that we can offer is that we want to uh, predetermine as best we can which options are going to best fit with the client, but also fit in the underwriting profiles. So this one link allows us to gather that information um, and then we'll go into the marketplace, put together some options. We actually started this particular situation with traditional long-term care insurance. And what was driving that was the client, the uh, gentleman, actually was a business owner, and he was very interested in tax-deductible dollars, okay. which allow for that 
Uh, you can, uh, with traditional long-term care, with his business, he could actually look at that like a business expense and get a deductible dollar, which okay. was a, a nice way to package the product. Unfortunately, um, as we uncovered the process, uh, it turns out she had some medical issues that prohibited them from getting the coverage that we were trying to get. Ah. And we then pivoted to a hybrid product that was allowable for their uh, opportunity for coverage. It was a co- it was a common contract. It was actually, it, in the lingo of the insurance world, it's survivorship coverage. So it puts coverage on him and her, meaning if both of them died, they would actually have a life insurance policy paid to their beneficiary. Ah. But the long-term care benefit was added to it, which doubled the amount of the amount of coverage that was available to them. And what sweetener, the sweetener that came on this was uh, we actually, because we we selected a type of rider that's characterized as long-term care insurance, both on the tax code as well as in the insurance world, uh, he did get a tax-deductible dollar for about half of his premium. Um, That was a nice way of uh, sort of starting down a path uh, realizing that one particular area wasn't going to work and then pivoting to something that did fit. So sure. it was a nice way of packaging some coverage. But um, the end-to-end functional opportunity to, one, gather details electronically, doing an application electronically, doing the underwriting, um, which is now with these types of products, you can actually do it with a phone interview. So that, one, it eliminated the need for the physical blood draw, urine specimen, and all the typical things that people think about with life insurance or other kind. There you go with that fun of, talk again. Yeah, that oh, fun blood stuff. Blood draw. And, but yeah. but um, that was probably one of the greatest areas that has shifted in this whole pandemic is carriers have to now move to rethinking how they do underwriting. Yeah. And so what what typically now has is the process is – we start with the electronic application, we get the medical records up front, and then from that, they'll make determinations on whether or not they need other evidence. Okay, so not not too much. As you said, the face-to-face is gone from even the 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 agent. Yeah, And uh, we've gotten just... pretty proficient with Zoom. I would imagine a lot of people have, right? Yeah, we're having to yeah. adjust. Yeah. yeah, so Zoom and Microsoft Teams, there's a lot there's of different There's a lot of different options. Right. There's, so, uh, you know, I've even, even I have gotten a yeah. little better with technology. Sure. But even... You're so woke, Troy. <laughs> I am, yeah. That beard says it all. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I only grew the beard to be more millennial-like, and Grandpa Millennial over here, KC, is, uh, has no beard. He I shaved it to. off, man. I had to. Yeah, he lost yeah. too it hot get, for a beard. It gets a little bit itchy after a while. No, it is hot for a beard. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, it, the last piece I'll say on this particular topic is uh, all the way through, right, from underwriting to policy uh, delivery, has now become an electronic process. Yeah. Even, obviously, premium payments, that's always kind of been a, a, a simple way that people can figure out how they want to pay their premium, you know. But uh, delivery of these policies um, electronically has been a, a, bi- a big thing because a lot of the work that we do works not only with a client, but their planner. So yeah. we want to have electronic policy options so that the client can get their policy. The planner can also have a copy of it. It works out fairly nicely. Well, and these hybrid policies are really, uh, you know, you can see the benefit of 
of using a hybrid policy, a lot of the complaints that we got from clients about long-term care was, well, why would I pay for something that I may never need? And it's not cheap. Uh, you know, some of the premiums on traditional long-term care can be pretty expensive, but if you package it as a, a life insurance policy or an annuity with a long-term care benefit attached to it, which oftentimes is tax-free, right, Jim? That's so right. That life insurance, especially if you have an existing policy like Greg and Fiona do, if if it's a whole a whole life or a, a cash value type product, then you can kind of convert some of the growth in that policy to a, a potentially a tax-free benefit if they use it for long-term care. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the complaints that we would get is because, you know, I don't want to buy something I may never get. Well, if you use a hybrid, somebody's going to see the benefit of the policy, whether it's you That's for right. long-term care or your heirs as a death benefit or, you know, the annuity benefit. So we, we are going to, we actually do find a lot of what we call, again, air quotes, repurposing right. of those existing policies that were bought maybe for one goal or intention initially, and really they're, they don't match. Yeah, circumstances have changed, and right. now it's not a, something that fits well into their overall plan. So it's easy to you know, give Jim a call and say, hey, will you take a look at this policy yeah. and see if we can pivot to something that maybe does fit better into what they're trying to accomplish now. And oftentimes one of these hybrids comes up because it's a, it's a good transitional thing yeah. from you know, maybe when you're younger to – when you're in need of long-term care insurance. A lot of the reasons that we're finding are that it allows the client to be a lot more economical with their existing resources. Um, they can alleviate the anxiety that's out there typical now because of long-term care expenses yep. and then avoids the two policies expense. You can right. now convert that into one. Yeah. Well, there you go, Jim. I have a question for you and I'll save it till when we get back. I'll make it brief because we got other things to cover. You're listening to Money Talk. Stick around. More than 3,000 airplanes have been put in storage. That's 50% of the United States active fleet. When business as normal is no longer normal. This is your economic emergency kit. Money Talks. We're back. With Casey Smith and Jim Crone. That thing, uh, the music just really was abrupt and fading. It wasn't much of a fade. It was more like I just turned it off. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you have financial questions, we'd love to hear from you. Our question hotline is 1-855-429-9166. You call in, hear our message uh, leave your message, including your question, at the beep. Uh, we play it on the air and answer uh, right behind it. Or you can call and talk to a human. That number is 770-429-9166. And, oh, by the way, if you wanted to uh, uh, ask specifically a, a question from Jim Crone or Casey Smith, um, obviously Jim can handle your insurance questions, and you can catch him at that number, too, 770-429-9166. And Casey does a lot with uh, financial planning, uh, small business exit planning. Uh, sometimes he even drags me into those conversations. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you there. Or uh, if you've got a question for the radio show, you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Or you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled in the same way, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. 
Com. Uh, so, Jim, you've stepped us through quite a few things that you learned in the study and, and kind of the way that uh, insurance operations are being done, not as much face-to-face and probably even less so now than there was in January when this thing was released. Uh, my question is, from the investment side of things, uh, do you think the underwriting is going to be more or less profitable to the business? And, you know, have you have you seen other changes like that? Um, what, what's your take on yeah. that? The insurance companies have uh, been moving in a direction to try to figure out easier, simpler ways, uh, less expensive even, uh, from an underwriting standpoint. And this has really forced the hand, the pandemic has. Uh, they now have gone to a model where instead of the, the original framework where you would take an application, do a physical exam with someone going into the client's home or office to do that. Right. And then, of course, that comes with frustration, headache, and scheduling, and, and then there's an expense for the insurance company, not to the client. Uh, but in, in this particular arena, that has been taken off the table because they reverse engineered it so that the application is the starting point, but then you move to g- directly to get medical records from existing doctors, okay. which typically includes a lot of the basic information that somebody would want and from an underwriter would want to look at. So as long as someone's been to their client within the last 12 months, been to their doctor doctor within the last 12 months, we're typically finding that that's going to suffice the underwriter. And it really shouldn't change the the trajectory of the investments uh, for somebody looking at XYZ insurance company because now they're just looking at doing it a lot more efficiently than they did before. Yeah. I would imagine that it's probably a positive sign if you have been to your doctor, especially oh, yeah. if there's not a whole lot going on. Uh, the the uh, insurer wants to make sure that you've been checked out. Sure. Yeah. And, and they're not going to maybe take off the table the need for potentially getting additional details from a client. But what we're finding is uh, the first step of getting doctor records, which actually has also gone a, undergone a pretty sizable transition because you know, Obama put into practice the electronic health records. Right. And so now you have eight, ten years of of evidence that's now all been done electronically. We're we're finding access through companies that are specifically designed to get those medical records as efficiently and quickly as possible. So yeah. not only has the maybe the cost to the insurance company gone down for not having to do the paramed exam we're also finding that we can hopefully cut through and get those medical records a lot quicker than before. There we go. All right. Well, maybe it's uh, time to look a little closer at some insurance companies on the investment side. I, you know, if I'm going to buy anything from them, it's surely not going to be an annuity. I'm going to buy a contract. Holy cow. But, can you uh, believe that? Yeah. Investment, if it's, if it's up to me. I'm what the insurance guy? Fine. Normally, that's why we bring the insurance guy on, just so we can throw rocks at him. There you <laughs> go. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all, watch us beat Jim down. <laughs> yeah. It's always fun for Jim. Uh, we've got a question from our good friend, Ed Kelly, who uh, writes us with the strong trend toward online shopping and therefore a strong trend toward home delivery. Are there some companies that should be invested in that are part of the shipping delivery arena? Not looking for a shooting star, but uh, companies that are uh, tried and true with solid long-term growth potential. For instance, companies that produce boxes, packaging companies, logistics, etc. Uh, you know, several come to mind right away. If you want logistics uh, there is a company, and we've invested in this before, uh, recommended it for clients, C.H. Robinson Worldwide. 
they're a uh, contract type business. Um, they don't own assets as far as, you know, they might have furniture, fixtures, and equipment, but they don't have trucks and trailers, but it is a trucking company. So uh, basically they go out and deal with uh, shippers who want trucks, and they, on the backside, then deal with owner-operators and independent drivers uh, and marry the two together. But they're the middleman, if you will. Um, it's a pretty good business model. When things slow down, they run uh, the price down on the on the supplier of the transportation, so the owner-operator or whatnot. So their profitability actually gets better uh, in times of recession or, or slow economic times. Um, there's not a whole lot of growth there, about 4.5% over the last five years, but it is expected to grow a little faster uh, at about 8.5% going forward. Um, and it's a, a reasonably profitable company. Uh, there's a couple of others that I, I just want to point out since you're talking about uh, packaging, maybe West Rock. This is a combination of Mead West Vaco uh, and uh, Rock 10 Corporation, two paper companies, make boxes basically. Uh, there's, again, negative growth here, but it's very slow. So negative 0.03% uh, earnings growth in the last uh, five years. Approximately 9% revenue growth over the last three years, so it's not—it's just real thin margins is is the uh, the toughest part with this one. Um, I did something that I wouldn't normally do in this regard, so I went and looked at the supply chain for somebody like an Amazon. Uh, obviously, UPS is is one of their big suppliers. It's about five percent, and uh, you know, UPS has been a good business for a long time. Uh, they've got uh, some really weird numbers when you look at their um, their debt. Um, basically, what you have is uh, debt to assets about 48.7%, which doesn't look terrible. But when you look at their debt compared to the equity, it's 862.2%. Holy cow. Some good that leverage right there. They don't have much in equity, probably previous losses and, uh, yeah, serious leverage. Uh, their earnings growth over the past five years has been about 7.7, .7, so a little better than uh, a C.H. Robinson or a Mead West Vaco, obviously. I say Mead West Vaco, West Rock, I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> but when I looked a little deeper, you know, the company has been buying lots of, Amazon, that is, has been buying lots of trucks. They've been buying their own trucks. So uh, I did check into that. The company called Shift Group is S-H-Y-F-T, uh, uh, and their symbol, I think, is S-H-Y-F. Uh, and, um, you know, they've had significant growth in the last uh, five years. Uh, it's been over 40%. Uh, expected to continue growing at a at a double-digit clip, 15% uh, in the next three to five years. Very profitable, but it doesn't meet our criteria for investment based on um, based on financial strength and safety. So I would have to uh, tell you that you might check that one out a whole lot better yourself. But um, you know that that is a good thought, Ed, and we appreciate you uh, appreciate your call. Uh, we also have another question that uh, we get from Abdallah, who says, uh, how would you interpret that by diversifying your investment portfolio with real estate investments, which has its inherent risks, can you also reward your uh, reward you with some benefits? Um, basically, the way that diversification works is you have uh, different asset classes 
that actually respond differently to economic conditions. Uh, so when you have real estate, the price is usually pretty stable on real estate. If you add that to a portfolio of uh, equities or stocks uh, and bonds, uh, you know, you can get really good income, real income from the from the uh, rents that you might receive. And uh, it, it actually makes it so that, uh, you know, they, they again act differently in times of down markets and up markets. So, so uh, the two work in tandem to give you better returns overall. And that's really the concept behind diversification. Uh, quite often, real estate, if you just went out and bought a house, it's going to be more like a job. Uh, we do have a uh, uh, group at Hensler Financial that uh, does would would help you with that sort of thing. So if you want to give us a call, 770-429-9166. Ask for uh, Hensler Property Management, and uh, they can take care of it for you. Uh, last thing, guys, mark it up or down. Let's keep it going up. KC, why I not? buy long-term care insurance. Oh, man. <laughs> I always say up. So at least he didn't say annuity. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.